0: hey yo what's up players it's your boy tuan back at it again i know we, we we've been slacking so nav and i just finished a pod trying to make it up to you guys we talked about the nba offseason you know the rudy gobert trade the the jalen brunson signing um the katie rumors the donovan mitchell rumors um, we even give our early um, eastern and western conference predictions on you know who's going to be contenders um, next season and who's going to make a splash in the playoffs so hope you guys enjoy you know we apologize for the delay in releasing a pod but you know the summer's got us we got to be popping out these parties and whatnot so always fun uh please enjoy and see you later peace Welcome back to episode number 56 of the ATL podcast. I know what y'all thinking. We've been slacking, slacking pretty hard, not releasing many episodes this this past month or so, but, you know, we promised to make it up to you guys in this jam-packed episode where we plan to unwrap a lot of the action that went down during the NBA offseason. So there's still a lot going on. You know, KD talks, Donovan Mitchell talks, all these big moves that happened in the last I don't know a few weeks, um, NBA Summer League, the draft. So a lot, a lot to unpack, and we'll we'll hit on some of those. But you know, of course, we got to hit up our boy
1: Nav. What's going on, man? It's been it's been too long, man. It's been way way too long. Summer's almost kind of on its way out too. We're approaching August, which is kind of sad. I woke up this morning; it was like ten degrees, but think that was just an outlier. It's been pretty nice and hot here in uh in k dubs It's actually been crazy hot, but man, I think you and I have just been enjoying the summer and hey, it is what it is. It's been a good summer.
0: Yeah, I know for sure. I know that's that, that's what I was thinking like it's tough. You got all these plans on the weekends. People are working late. But time zone scheduling is a little weird too, so we're trying to adapt to that, but I feel like once the NBA season um, get started you know it's not too nice and warm outside we'll we'll definitely be indoors a little more and be able to to do this a little more consistently but man yeah, i no, will good. say
1: I will say I am so excited for the season like I kind of miss you know working throughout the week and then looking forward to that one game that one raptor game or that one matchup in the eastern or western conference and then just coming home and just you know sitting down watching it I miss that a lot I'm looking forward to this season um it's definitely going to be action-packed. I don't know if you were going to do this because we're uncovering so much, but I think we definitely have to give a big shout-out to the Golden State Warriors um, and just acknowledge that big, that big dub over an amazing Boston Celtics team.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it's been a few weeks since, you know, it, yeah, it seems like there's so much has gone on since that finals and so many things have happened. So many players have moved from team to team. So it feels like such an aftermath Honestly, to me, and I know, I know like the parade happened and all that stuff that went down with Clay and, you know, Draymond and his podcast and Steph and the ESPYs, like I honestly, I could go on and on about what's happened since then, but for sure, I know we haven't really done like a closing of the playoffs kind of pod there, but um, yeah, just quickly touch on that. I just think Golden State just showed so much more experience head coaching wise player wise execution wise down the um yeah down the last few games there and um well deserved the young guys came up huge you know some of the young guys got paid actually this year so um like kevin looney and uh so nice to see that even though they're uh, even Payne's on a new team but um golden state is honestly on track to continue and you know one of the top contenders to repeat but you know it's just nice to see Curry be able to get that, you know, um, that finals MVP that he's been longing for for so long after four championships. And to see Clay come back from his injury, Draymond kind of have that crazy, unbelievable game six where he's been struggling all season or series long and be able to um, do, you know, play so well. And that crucial game was kind of an epitome of what that team's been made
1: out of. It's going to be really interesting, man, because I think within the organization, there's definitely a lot of optimism because what you fail to realize is what was under the surface of that season. And there were so many injuries and Clay coming back three quarters of the season. They're going to finally get him fully healthy, playing a full regular season. Um, plus the addition of Dante G. Vincenzo and even Jamichael Green, you know, they just have this tendency to buy low. And I, I, honestly have a feeling that those guys are going to be ready to play within this organization because they're such high IQ guys. You don't remember, you don't for, remember that Divincenzo is a former champion. Uh, he's like a 37% three-point shooter, and that's on high volume. So playing with Stefan Clay, like he's just going to have a lot of open looks. And I think they're just going to continue to a lot, to continue to piss a lot of people off.
0: Yeah, t- even that like Otto Porter Jr. Now, who's with the Raptors elitza who's playing overseas now to be home with his family so those guys that they've picked up you know the kind of the the the, the afterthoughts of some of these um offseason moves from the year or two before and the, the, you know they came up so big for for those guys even having auto porters start in the finals at in a few a few of those games so just knowing that they're able to kind of get those guys that are looking for a ring looking to compete for a championship uh definitely helps them a lot
1: I think the one thing I got to, before we move on, one thing I got to say is I was pretty devastated when Gary Payton Jr. Or Gary Payton II got um, signed by the Blazers only because, you know, he's such a high character guy. His journey in the NBA has been crazy. And I think the one thing with the Warriors that you fail to realize is they are a system, you know, they, they're a very, they're very San Antonio Spursy in that regard. Either you can play that system or you can't look what happened to Kelly Oubre Jr. It just didn't work. He was, you know, put at the end of the bench. And it was cool to see Gary Payton Jr. just come into that Boston series, swing the finals. Um, And like, not only just swing the finals, but he's an elite defender and his ability to just sort of make passes to Curry before Curry even got to his spot. You know, that sort of like telepathic playmaking is, uh, is something that you only see within those like really tight organizations. So I thought they lost one there, but I'm pretty high on this Dante DiVincenzo pickup. Uh, I think, you know, mid-season, we're going to be having, you know, we're going to be talking about him like he's a big part of that team.
0: No, for sure. And I think having Kaminga and Moody um, kind of, you know, take a slot up and having their roles elevated a little bit, I think it's going to be huge for them as well in terms of developing those guys. Those guys are going to be rotational players in the regular season for sure. what um, we'll see what they look like in the playoffs for for the Warriors but I think just having those two young guys having Wiseman back um, man when you just list off these guys they have eight nine solid players high high blue collar prospects and guys that are proven so yeah man Golden State looks good I think they're definitely one of the top contenders probably the top contender um, especially in the West uh, but yeah let's 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 just move on I, I we'll will go back to kind of those those contender conversations later on in this pod but I wanted to start off with some off-season moves, some of the big, impact ones that kind of went down the pipeline earlier um, this summer. So let's go and give me your thoughts on the Rudy Gobert trade to the Timberwolves, and just the haul that the Utah Jazz were able to receive uh, back for this for this for a guy that's I feel like very polarizing. You know, he's you know, a multiple Defensive Player of the Year winner, a guy that, you know, has been, you know, made All-NBA a few times and has partnered up with Donovan Mitchell um, to, you know, relative success in the playoffs. You know, they've made um, the second round a few times. Uh, They've been able to build something from the ground up with those two guys, but um, being able to get, what was it, like five, six first-rounders if you include... Walker Kessler from this year's draft, um, Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly. So, like, you know, decently, even Jared Vanderbilt, decent, like, rotational players from the Wolves um, to get Rudy Gobert. um, Just give me your thoughts on kind of the return that the Jazz were able to receive and how you think Gobert is going to be able to fit in with um, the Timberwolves who have Pat, you know, a stretch four. Uh, Anthony Edwards, who is probably one of the best young players in the league. Uh, D'Angelo Russo, who's probably going to have a lesser role offensively, but he's going to be able to, you know, kind of be that floor general or whoever you want him to be in terms of a guy that's going to be able to control the game there. Um, just give me your overall thoughts on the Jazz perspective on this and how that affects the Timberwolves moving forward as, you know, a contending team in the West.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's really, really fucking confusing. Because, you know, I think that trade has a two to three year shelf life. Rudy Gobert's 33 years old. Um, Now, I think Rudy Gobert is extremely hated on. Um, I actually really like him. I love I love how hard he plays. And although he has limitations, he's, you know, a top three defender in the year in the NBA year after year. And I feel like he'll continue to be that way over the next few years. But he's 33 years old and. You know, I don't see, I think this move is contingent on Anthony Edwards growing up extremely fast. And I feel as though, you know, Anthony Edwards still has two or three years himself to sort of feel out the NBA and grow into his own. So obviously, Minnesota must have some sort of intel that they think he can make that leap, maybe become most improved next year, kind of one of those candidates. Because if he's in those conversations, then yeah, potentially. Um, they could contend, but the West is going to be a really tough conference next year. And I don't know if, I, I just don't know if Gobert moves the needle. And, you know, what's going to happen three or four years is Minnesota is going to realize that they have no more assets to build forward. And then you're going to have guys like Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards kind of frustrated that they don't have the right supporting cast, right? Because Rudy Gobert, Rudy Gobert is going to eclipse their careers. So I really don't get it, but at the same time, you know, you got to realize who they were doing business with. You know, Danny Ainge is an absolute shark and this was a knockout punch. This was a home run. And as a first initial monster move for the Jazz, like he kind of set them up for a really bright future going ahead, as long as they're able to nail those picks and look at his track record in Boston. He's really good at Picking in the draft, remember? Okay, do you remember when Boston had the same amount of draft assets for like forever? They had like a treasure chest of them.
0: Yeah, from that KG, Paul Pierce trade for the Nets. Yeah, but this is then even then like now, a bigger. This is a bigger haul. This is a bigger that. haul.
1: So <laughs> it's crazy. I don't get it, and what I really find frustrating is that it kind of set a precedent for guys like Kevin Durant and Donovan Mitchell. You know, why would the Jazz? Give up Donovan Mitchell for anything less than what they received for Gobert.
0: One hundred percent. Yeah, exactly. Same with KD. I think that's why there's such a a, a stalemate right now between these teams because teams are expecting the same type of haul, but I don't think they're going to get it. You know, and, and again, we can we can go and talk a little more on that KD and kind of Donovan Mitchell trade rumors, uh, but just just wanted to know kind of your thoughts on that Rudy Gobert and Cat, you no know, pairing, you know, these, like, they're two centers who are making the max. What, like, how, how do you think, you know, I, obviously their style of play is a little different. Cat's more offensive-minded. Gobert's definitely more defensive-minded. Sounds pretty good on paper, and I know they're, like, two really good um, advanced metric analytical um, players. Um, you know, they, 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 they're at the top with some of those, like, um, those those metrics but yeah what are your your, your thoughts on how they will complement each other do you think there's going to be any kind of overlap in terms of some of their skill sets or just kind of how do you think they're going to work out like is this a new 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 wave of big guys that they want to kind of impose on the league and just kind of like bully teams now or like what, what, what do you think their strategy is getting Rudy Gobert pairing up with another seven footer that's going to be able to play on the perimeter there?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. I really don't know how this is going to pan out because it really just depends on guys like Anthony Edwards, D'Angelo Russell. Um, who else did they play? Torian Prince. Yeah. Right. So I think I thought Pat. Be- I, I thought they could have really used Pat Beverly from a like playmaking standpoint because there's going to be a lot of pick and roll. Um, but then you got Rudy Gobert clogging the lane. Mm-hmm. So I, I really don't know how this is going to work out, to be honest. I, I can see them kind of being complimentary, but at the same time, um, yeah, I mean, I guess they they try to double Cat and Rudy's wide open in the post.
0: Yeah, I, I honestly, like personally for me, I'm not sure how I feel about this trade because it clogs the paint for Ant. And I don't think he's a good enough uh, premier shooter to get off his shot. I know having Cat as like kind of that stretch five And then having uh, Jared Vanderbilt, Jaden McDaniels kind of spread the floor. Same with Russell, um, allowed him to attack the rim. And, you know, he's such an explosive athlete, a guy that has probably, you know, top three vertical in the league with his his explosiveness and his, like, youth. Um, I'm not sure how that's going to look with um, Gobert kind of clogging up the paint. But I think that also allows him to be a better playmaker if he's able to throw that lob to Gobert and kind of look for his play I think you know it it might have to accelerate how he develops as a playmaker so it could be a good thing but he's still super young you know he's only going into his third year and um it it might be better for him that he's not just looking to attack um at all the time and it's more like playmaking for other guys and setting up his teammates for for better shots at um that he might be forcing otherwise
1: yeah you know two big pickups for them this year were kind of like low-key were Forbes and Anderson, you know, like those are two decent pickups guys that know how to play and then head coach by Chris Finch. So obviously a lot of these decisions go by him first and he's a really respected offensive coach in the NBA. So obviously, you know, I, I believe he's going to have some schemes that, that are going to work. But for me, I just can't wrap my head around it, to be honest.
0: No, for sure, for sure. I I think it's just a let it, let them play it out, see what happens this first year. The West is super tough. So, not sure how they're, how they're fair in the regular season, even in the playoffs, but they're very intriguing though. So, I'll I'll give them that. I think they had to make a move. Tim Conley um, just signed with them as the kind of the uh, president of basketball operations now, or what something above the GM role that he had. So, coming from Denver, he has a huge track record of. Um, being able to pick very well in the draft. And so I think he has an eye for talent. So if he thinks Rudy Gobert is the one to fit next to Cat, then, you know, he's getting paid millions of dollars to do that. So we'll see. We'll see what that looks like. Um, the I would say the other big, big move that's, you know, shook the league a little bit and kind of with the haul that um, the Spurs were able to receive. So DeJounte Murray to the Hawks uh, in exchange for, I think it was three first round picks, a pick swap and then Gallinari. So that's still a pretty huge get for someone like DeJounte Murray. I know he was an all-star last year with the Spurs, who again, didn't make much noise in the regular season, missed out on the playoffs. Um, he just came back from a big injury the year before, but he's, he's always known as a, you know, defensive first playmaking point guard, not much of a scorer. I think he still averaged like 16, 17 points a game, but not much of a scorer. Looks on paper like a very good, you know, um, pair with Trey Young. You know, a guy who's gonna, you know, definitely need someone to handle the ball secondarily with him. Uh, a, a guy that can defend on the perimeter and kind of complements him pretty well. I feel like this is similar to the Gobert and Cat um, move, but you know, on the perimeter now. So one guy that's super offensive a scale than the other guy, one of the top premier defenders in the league. So just give me your thoughts on, you know, what the Hawks are looking to do here with that pairing. And then what, what the Spurs are doing with trading probably their, their best prospect and not having much, you know, blue collar players to kind of look forward to in their, in, in their future there.
1: Yeah. This is probably my, my least, you know, favorite, you know, didn't raise the eyebrows as much because, I think the Murray, DeJounte Murray Spurs era just kind of had to had to end at some point. Sure. He was an all-star, but I think he like got in because someone got injured, um, but he is elite. You know, he's athletic, he's long, he's elite. He can handle the ball. And I think for the Spurs, they just need to go into sort of a rebuild, you know, trust their developmental system and find the next, well, you'll never do it, but find the next Tim Duncan, find the next Tony Parker, find the next manage and Ovally, um, and sort of continue on with their legacy through the draft with the Hawks. You know, I think they're just trying to find players where they can create different scenarios than Trey young playing James Harden type of basketball. You know, so I think this is really important because Trey young dominates the basketball And DeJounte Murray can be a primary ball handler at times. And this is going to allow Trae Young to play off the ball, which I think is really going to expand his game and um, just help the Hawks play a bit faster. You know, Gallo, love Gallinari, but he kind of slowed down their offense. And this puts them in a completely different position in terms of uh, pace and like speed and tempo.
0: Yeah, um, I agree with that. I, yeah, like with you, I don't think it moves the needle for the Hawks. Um, I just don't think they're like, that's a big, that's a big haul. That's a big like amount of first round picks. So, so three first round picks, a pick swap for, you know, this like borderline all-star type player. Um, you would expect that for like a, you know, a multi multi all-star type player in, t- in that type of deal. So I'm not sure if that's just what the market um, was demanding. For, for like a borderline all-star player there i i do like the the complimentary like um skill sets between those two but i'm just not sure Dejounte is good enough to take them over the top or even make them in i don't even think they're a top six team in the east like when when you think about the hawks like i think they're still behind even just the the will tell my head here the bucks um the heat 76ers the Nets for, for, for now, the Celtics, the Raptors, are they better than the Bulls? You know, like... Well, they no, might not even
1: but,
0: Sorry, go on. No, I'm just saying, like, then they, they, might, they might have to play a play-in game with just, like, the, the current roster that's constructed. Like, I don't think who's their best, best, their best player, Collins, right? Like... Right, I but just... in my opinion,
1: this is what kind of separates the good franchises from the poor franchises in the sense that um, look who received the picks you know, a world-class organization. And if you're the Hawks, look at your last three years, you know, you fizzled out of the playoffs three years in a row. And how, how do you sit Trey Young down in a room and say, look, just hang in there. We have these draft assets. We're going to use them. um, And we're going to, we're going to, you know, surround you with young talent. Like, no, he wants to win right away. He played on team USA with, with DeJounte Murray this is all about Trey Young. This is all about them doing whatever they can do to move the needle. And, you know, in my opinion, I don't think this does it, but they obviously thought that this was a move where they can, you know, mortgage a little bit of their future and make their superstar happy.
0: Yeah, I think that I think that was a move for sure. Um, They're they're both still young. So I think there's still moves to be made on top of what they've already done. But they don't have the draft capital anymore so no they it, don't it, and becomes, it becomes harder yeah That becomes harder because now you're trying to you know trade players for players when maybe a team that has a um a star that might might wind out that they're, they're looking to rebuild so that just kind of gets you out or it removes you from contention for any of those type of blockbuster deals that may be actually be able to get you all, all over the edge and kind of into the
1: contender um level there how many times? And just quick, right? let's not get into a tangent here. But how many times have the Raptors been tempted with a very similar situation? You know, where we were, we're like one guy away. So you know, we could have made midseason moves for like Bradley Beal a few years ago. We could have done mm-hmm. the exact same thing, um, but no, it's it's not the right thing to do. But for the Hawks, you know, they're they're in quote unquote they're they think they're right at the heels of that fourth seed, the three seed. And this is their their play to get there.
0: Yeah, I, I think they, they, they probably accelerated their rebuild way too early when they made the Eastern Conference Finals and lost to the Bucks when they beat the 76ers on that Ben Simmons uh, fiasco. But um, I, I think that may have hurt them. We'll see. I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to, you know, get to... Um, you Know too too early with these predictions, but I just I'm not a big fan of that deal, especially with what they gave up. And if you know, if Trey gets hurt with for one of these years, that's gonna be a top pick, top ten pick for sure. You know, you just you just never know. So um let's move on to not a trade, but a free agent signing, probably the biggest one um in the offseason so far. So Jalen Brunson to the to the Knicks for Four years, 106 million dollars, I believe. Um a guy that played very well with Luca out in the first round against uh the Jazz, a guy that played well against the Suns. Um, and you know, he's been a solid, solid player um since being drafted by the Mavs out of out of Villanova. And you know, he was he was. Yeah, he was the best college player when he was a senior, when he got drafted. I think he was a second-round pick. So he's definitely exceeded, you know, his draft slot so far. I, I, I compare him to, like, a Fred VanVleet, a kind of a um, smaller guard who definitely plays much stronger than, you know, his height, a guy that controls the the, the offense, and, you know, a really good shooter. So I'm not sure about that 100 whatever, twenty six billion, I guess a year um, salary that the Knicks made for him. But I think I, I kind of understand a little better. You know, when you just look at the number and you look at Jalen Brunton as a, a player in a vacuum, it's tough to kind of, you know, see that value. But I think with the Knicks and what they're trying to do, I know he's not going to be that guy that takes you over the top, but he's one of the building blocks that you want to have, especially for a franchise that's slacked a point guard for I would say the last 10, 15 years, right? They, who who's, who's a point guard that you can name from the Knicks the last 10 years that has made a difference with them? So, you know, I, I can't name any, any of them on top of my head. So, um, just having that guy that can, you know, you can build around someone that you know will be maybe your second, maybe your third best player on a playoff contending team. And then they can hopefully build off of that and see what, you know, what comes along in the next two, three years. But, um from me personally, I like it just thinking about you know what they're trying to build around RJ Barrett, if they're able to make a move for Donovan Mitchell, you know, they're rumored to get to get him for a few draft picks and a few of their assets. And then having um who else do they got there? RJ Barrett, um, Randall, who's you know, who, who was an all NBA player two years ago, had an, had a down year this season. Um, so I think. He should, be play, he should play better now with Jalen Brunson kind of leading um, the guard position for him and kind of feeding him a little better. So what are your thoughts on Brunson heading to the Knicks at that amount? And just kind of what are your thoughts on their, their future with kind of their assets that they have in hand?
1: Yeah, I, I think, um, and I'm not just, since 2012, you know, in 2012, they made the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, or no. Yeah, they were first place in the East. Did they make the finals?
0: No. They no. Uh, but they were I
1: first think, place in the East. Yeah, I yeah, think it, they lost in the second round. Too. That, that was, was, was like peak mellow. No. Um, yeah. you know, Jalen Brunson's a nice player, and I think over the next couple of years, this uh, what he got signed for won't matter, especially with the cap increase that's set to happen. Um but I I don't care. I honestly don't care. <laughs> like it, he's, he is a nice player and he played well when Lucas was there, but the Knicks are going to just continue to fuck up. And um, I, yeah, I, I don't see them being good next year and I don't care. I don't think this does anything for the franchise and, you know, I don't think they're going to get Donovan Mitchell either. And I also think that if they do get Donovan Mitchell, they, what, they're going to be like a six, seven seed in the East.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Agree. It, it, that that's My, the, for sure. The, that no, no. Cool the the East is the East is strong now, man. I I feel like the whole league is just strong. Like I I look at like the top like four or five teams, and I I think this is a good transition to kind of
1: what I want to talk about next. Um, wait, and that's like the last thing I want to say is if you're Donovan Mitchell, like, and you look at the legacy of some of these other players that you're rivals with, like, you know, you you are chasing Devin Booker and why would you want to go to New York to play with Jalen Brunson? You know, like you need to, like, if you're Donovan Mitchell, you're pairing up with the superstar, you know, that, that's sort of where I see Donovan Mitchell going, because I think that's the legacy that he's trying to chase. Um, I don't think he's the kind of guy that can do it himself. And sure, uh, for sure. so, yeah, you know, if I'm Donovan Mitchell, I'm probably seeking bigger franchises.
0: But is, is 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 it his choice? He, he do you think he's the one who's dictating this, or is it Danny Ainge in the back just being like, "I'm just going to give them. I'm going to see how much I can um, rob the the Knicks of." But do the uh, you Knicks know, have anything assets? to give up? Do the
1: Knicks have anything to give up? I thought they've they're highly mortgaged. Uh,
0: I don't think so. No, they 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 traded out of the first round of this year's draft to get like three like late first round picks uh, from o- OKC. I believe that was the. Usman Jang pick, I believe that they traded around it was I, away. I think it was like a top 10 or something top. No, I think 11th or 12th. I, I didn't watch the draft. So I, I don't know the numbers here, but um, I think that's what happened. So they have additional capital at our uh, draft assets there. Um, and I don't think they owe too many other picks. I think they kind of learned their lesson from like the, the 2010s where they were just giving out picks. So um, I think they still have Good so I think the, the rumor right now is Quentin Grimes, who's one of their younger, I don't know, he, he played well in the G League. I'm, I honestly haven't seen him play, so I don't know how well he's playing. Obi Toppin is another uh, young player that they got that might be intriguing for the Jazz. I heard RJ isn't in the conversation because he's up for a contract. And I'm not sure if Utah wants to give RJ Barrett, who's probably not, not a superstar or not even an all-star player yet, that much money. Probably like a hundred mil plus, so I think that's kind of the package that they're looking to um, to offer, plus a lot of picks and drafts in draft uh, uh, swaps. So okay. I think that's what 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 uh, the rumor going on right now with the next or the next sorry, going on right now. So there are other you know transactions that happened: the Malcolm Brogdon trade, Gallinari going to the Boston, um, Christian Wood going to the Mavs. So. Um, I, I don't want to drill down too much on, into those, but I wanted to ask you um, about just early predictions on who you think is going to be top contending teams in the East and the West. So we know, obviously, Boston Celtics made those moves to add to their depth coming off of a playoff run that you know took them to the finals, game six against the Warriors. Um, Golden State being able to take, like what you said, DiVincenzo, add DiVincenzo to the mix there. Um being able to just yeah, add another rotational player to that mix. And then we saw the 76ers re-sign James Harden to less than what they actually thought he would he would sign for. So they could get BJ Tucker and the Mavs being able to get the likes of Christian Woods for, you know, just some some of their bench players. So looking at kind of what the the East and West has kind of rounded out into, like who you who do you think? um is the number one two and three contenders for each of these conferences just by some of the moves that happened the, the results that happened last season All right now so give me your your top three teams in the east and the top three teams in the west based out of or based off of the offseason moves what you saw from the teams last year how they you know fared in the playoffs or just, just any other um, factors that you might want to consider when
1: you, when you, you know, give me your, your picks there. Yeah. I mean, there's still movement that can be made, right? We have pending free agents or not free agents. We have pending trades, Donovan Mitchell, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, maybe a sneaky trade here and there. So that could, that could change the landscape of the league very quickly. Um, And with the Western conference, I definitely have three teams that come to mind, but then You have three bottom, not even, I wouldn't even call them bottom feeders. You know, you got Dallas, you got Minnesota, and you got Memphis. So I think in the Western Conference, unlike the Eastern Conference, I think the regular season standings are going to mean very little. And I feel as though the Western Conference finalist will kind of be the result of matchups, of playoff matchups. So I think a lot is going to be determined based on who plays who in the first and second uh, series more so than the East. So, you know, in terms of regular season standings, if that's what these teams are going for um, and not doing any shenanigans to fall to second or third um, straight up, I think, you know, I'd go golden state, I'd go Denver, and then I'd go the Clippers. And I'm, I'm skeptically and reluctantly high on the Clippers because you know, you got to realize that three years now has passed since Kawhi Leonard, Paul George uh, linked up. Right. And I think we have to be very objective in looking at this team because we can't um, fall into the bad habit of expecting them to be the players they were in 2019 because there's been so many injuries and so many just, you know, what do you call it? Like um, unfortunate outcomes for the Clippers, you know? So for them, for me to think that they're just going to hit the ground running and sort of rewind it back to uh, three years ago is I think is a little um, foolish. So that's why I'm giving Denver the edge with this one, because I think that Jokic has done such a good job of being an offensive player against his will. I expect Jamal Murray to be back and hundred percent healthy and therefore, you know, he won't have to carry such an offensive load. And uh, I think he's matured a lot because of that injury. So I think uh, Golden State's going to continue to play at a really high clip as soon as the season starts. But I think Denver will be right there at second place.
0: Yeah. With, with Denver, I think it's more of getting uh, Murray and mpj back into just rhythm i think it's gonna probably it's kind of like the clay thompson situation it's probably gonna take him like you know a half or two-thirds of the season to really get back into it i know jamal's you know towards acl uh michael porter jr what it's a back injury right so um again those guys especially michael porter jr so so fragile um and any, any game, any moment, I feel like he can be heard and be done for the season. And them gave, giving that big-ass contract before they needed to is not looking great for them. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I have trust in Jamal to be able to get back into kind of where he was at, especially in that bubble where he was such a, you know, such a great player for them. And kind of, you know, he really showed out there and kind of um, made, made a mark on that le- in the league there. And having Jokic... Kind of lead the team last season and two time MVP now. Uh, I, I think they're definitely ready to make that move up, but I think it's just how those two guys uh, transition back from injury and into kind of really high level basketball, play, basketball um, eventually in the playoffs. Uh, yeah. The- I mean,
1: sorry, Tuan, just aside from that, um, the one thing I want to point out is just, you know, how big of a season Bowen's Highland had last year. Um, there was some really strong play with. Porter, Murray, Jokic, and Aaron Gordon before the injuries took place. And I think that's going to be big too. The other thing is Bruce Brown was a massive get for for Denver. And a lot of his play gets overlooked because so much was revolving around Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Um, But if you look at Bruce Brown Jr.'s stats in like the last half of the season, um, he was balling out and it was getting overshadowed. So I think that's going to be a big, big sneaky pickup for Denver. Uh, another really
0: big sneaky pickup for Denver KCP. Yeah. Exactly. For Monte Morris. That's huge. I think Absolutely. he's such a, like a professional, um, he's done it with the Lakers. Um, and you know, he played okay with the wizards, but just having him as, you know, another shooter, a great shooter, decent defender, um, I, I think it's been huge for them. Um, Just even like thinking of the LA Clippers roster, just because I had them um, as my top three team too. Um, Being able to get you know Norm and Covington at the deadline last season, being able to get John Wall, I think that's a big pickup, especially John Wall not being not playing at all last year, and I know he was hurt the previous year. Um, I I think that that's huge having him pairing up with Reggie Jackson, either you know being the starting point guard or the, the two there. I'm not sure if he'd be the two there, but they even have like the tomb. Um, their team's pretty stacked. And like Luke Kennard, who was the best three point shooter in the NBA last year. So I think roster wise Clippers look really good. I think it just depends on if Kawhi, if PG um, stay healthy. I think that's, that'll, that'll, that'll be the telling tale for it, for them, how far they can go. I think the, their roster is probably one of the best rosters in the league. I don't uh, honestly, like top to bottom, I don't know who's a better was a better roster than the Clippers, to be honest with you. Um, and yeah, even like thinking of like Trey Man, like Terrence Mann or like Zubats and like Brandon Boston, like these guys are gonna be like ninth, tenth, eleventh guys on on no, that right. team. And you're you know, right, it's just like crazy. Like they're really good. Like just top to bottom, they're really good. So it really depends on the injury there, but I do like the Clippers. Um,
1: Let and- me interrupt you know. real quick. Like there is a, like, there is a world where Ty Lu gets coach of the year. Kawhi is, you know, in the top three for defensive player of the year. Um, you're right. They have they, Steve Ballmer will pay whatever he needs to pay for a good looking roster. The only thing is they have to prove it. You know, I think John is going to have an absolute breakout year, but. You know there's a world where this is perfect, and there's a world where it's just classic Clippers karma, and this thing just crumbles, right? So, there's just so much to prove. I, they're the one team that have they have to prove that they're for real this year.
0: No, for sure, 100%. We, we, know, we know the Clippers, we know the reputation, um, whatever curse that's been you know brought about on this team, being the, the LA's number two team. So, got a lot to prove, especially living or, um, you know, sharing arena with the Lakers, um, who, again, it's funny. We we're not even talking about the Lakers. They haven't talked about the Lakers at all. And they're, they're a team that I don't want to, okay. Let's not talk about them. I don't, I don't want to talk about them either. We were trying to talk about the contenders here. So, you know, I agree with the list there. I know the Suns obviously had a disappointing playoff run. Um, I'm not sure how, how much change if they do beat Dallas in game seven. And, you know, they, they play the warriors. It could be a matchup thing. And honestly, they could be the champs. That, like they, they're still a really good team. They they killed everyone in the regular season. They were in the finals last year. I think people are a little down on them, underrating them a little bit. Um, I know there's still a little bit of, you know, the the Ain stuff that's going on and them having to sign him and not being able to trade him probably until like middle of the season. And um a lot of moving pieces there, but I still like them. I know CP is getting a little older, but just you know, Devin Booker, still a first-team All-NBA guy. He's still going to get better. Um, uh, Mikael Bridges is going to get better. Cam Johnson got better. So I think the Suns are a little underrated. I think wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if they went far in in the playoffs next year, if, if their roster is still the same. So um, Western Conference, just on that conversation, it's going to be a bloodbath. It's going to be crazy to watch that. And, you know, thinking of what the East looks like, I know we, we named a few of the teams there, uh, Celtics got better. I think they got a lot better. They added Brogdon and Gallinari who can start for them if they need to, but, you know, being the sixth, seventh guys off the bench for them, huge bucks if they're able to get, uh, a healthy, uh, Middleton. Um, I, I, think they probably would have won the, the championship last year. Um, 76ers got better. Uh, I think Tyre, Tyre, uh, Tyrese Maxey becomes a better player. P.J. Tucker. Um, who else did they get from? Um, they, got, they got someone from Memphis. Um, what's the guy's name? Milton. Um, yeah. He's really good, too, on, on, on Memphis. So they tr- traded a first-round pick for him there. The Raptors are going to be better. The Raptors could be a top-two team in, in the league if they somehow get KD, if they somehow get Donovan Mitchell. That, that, that'll shake up a lot of things. And they're, they're in a lot of those rumors because they have, you know, um, OG, they got Gary Trent, they got, you know, players that they can actually trade and have value around the league and they have all their draft picks. So another team that is kind of just mingling in the middle there, but with one move with KD, that, that changes the whole thing. So um, yeah, what are your thoughts just right now, how rosters are constructed? Just, just give me maybe one or two teams that you think will, will make a lot of noise in the East just based off of what you saw last year and kind of what happened in the off season so far.
1: Yeah. I, I just wonder quick, you know, I think Phoenix and Boston, just they, they missed windows, windows of opportunity. You know, I think the West is just going to be so damn strong. I just don't see uh, Phoenix having that same uh, regular season dominance or opportunity in the playoffs. They just missed the boat. They, they blew it against the maps, Boston, same thing. I mean, you know, it's not easy beating the Warriors, but that was probably their one opportunity to uh, to win. Because you know, I think just this is just re- you know preseason speculation, but you know, if I'm placing futures right now on Fanduel, like I'm gonna say that James Harden is gonna potentially have an All NBA um, season. I think there has been so much slander on his name. Like I have been chirping him too. You know, if there's a guy that needs to prove himself, it's him. And I, and I feel as though if he just starts the season healthy, he could, he could potentially have a very scary regular season. You know, I think why can't he lead the league in scoring? You know, yeah. I, I don't see why he can't lead the league in scoring. If he, if he truly is able to bounce back, it could be a very scary year for James Harden and in Philly. So kind of torn right now. think right now I have it um, Philly, Milwaukee, Boston as my top three. Um, but obviously a lot is contingent on the, how the Raptors handle the remainder of their offseason. season. Um, Milwaukee, again, just riddled with injuries. I expect them to expect them to b- bounce back, never count Giannis out, but, um, but yeah, you know, I think, I think Philly is going to have, if they're healthy, they're going to have a very dominant year. I expect a lot of great things from uh james harden i actually expect a lot of things great things from anthony davis too but i don't want to talk about the lakers i think anthony davis is gonna have a really big bounce back um year actually Tuan, no i had philly boston brooklyn yeah hey hey no, for to be sure. honest i think it's i think this kevin durant trade request is just the weirdest thing because they have such a nice team on paper and if they're just able to figure this thing out, I don't see why they can't be number one in the East easily. Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons, Kevin Durant, Seth Curry, Joe Harris. Um, they picked someone else up. That was huge.
0: Yeah, they, uh, they got, um, fuck, what's the name, from Utah. Um, yeah. Um, he's like, he's the best defender. He's, uh, it's just, it's, yeah, I know who you're talking about. That was a huge pickup.
1: Huge pickup. And I think, you know, th- what's his name? Who's their general manager's name? Uh, Sean Marks. Yeah, Sean Marks. I love the guy, man. I think I think he he's such a good GM. And he had Brooklyn on such a nice track. But he did what anyone else would have done. Pick up James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving. And it just didn't work out. But on paper, I think Brooklyn has a fantastic team. I think Kevin Durant's crazy for not wanting to play with this team. Because every other team he goes to... Is going to have to give up all the players that would put them in contention so you know brooklyn's in a really good spot i don't i don't get why this is happening i'm dumbfounded
0: yeah so royce o'neill that's that's the name there that's huge get huge get i know he's not like obviously like super talented offensively but him have him being there as a like a defensive player there um camp thomas another uh, rookie last year who you know lit up the summer league this year again he won mvp past- summer league last year uh they, they got tj warren
1: yeah they um, reached Paxton. so like they, they're they a great team and yeah and they're, they they're s- good they stand pat and they decide they want to do this um they are going to be just one a one b with philly
0: yeah i could see that too for sure no um yeah, I don't know. Is is, is the, has, has the league just gone strong, like better, like it's more talent? Like, is it, I'm just looking down, like the, like some of these rosters. I'm like, man, even like we're, we're talking about Atlanta and they they just traded for Dejounte Murray and are, they're not even gonna make the, you know, I don't think they're even in the top six, top seven, top like eight team like that we Got to talk about Cleveland. Cleveland's gonna get better. That young that that young team with like Mobley and Garland and Allen and Chicago they're gonna get Lonzo back they're gonna get Patrick yeah. Williams back like man it's, it's gonna to be tough like one one stretch of injuries for you, for one of these teams and they're gonna fall back hard but again that's why the plan is is there and that's why it's so like such an attractive model of 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 how, how you want to deal with it because if you're out you know you you got um, some guys injured for a long stretch of the period you can always bounce back
1: if you're Ninth of eighth or ninth seed, right? So, yeah, you know, one of the crazy things I was thinking about is the Kevin Durant thing is pretty humbling, in my opinion, because if this was three years ago, even with him pending injury, like in the middle of an injury, every team would have bent over backwards for Kevin Durant. And now, for the first time, like we have teams like Boston, like, wait, Jalen Brown is eight years younger than Durant. Okay, when Durant is like, 38 years old jalen brown could be in his prime and you know we don't have anymore. what's tatum gonna do if kevin durant can't play anymore he's gonna want to bounce mm-hmm. you know or the raptors scotty barnes is 15 years younger than kevin durant and was just rookie of the year like i get it why would you want to give that away like you know and it, it's crazy because mm-hmm. kevin durant can move the needle for a team immediately but it's got like a two to three year shelf life. And it's wild that all the stupid franchises that would have given up literally everything can't like the Lakers can't trade for Kevin Durant. yeah, You know, like the Knicks can't trade for Kevin Durant. All these teams, like the idiot teams in the league are unable to do it. So now they're bargaining with all the smart organizations and no one's doing it.
0: Hey, just just on that, that's a grand tra- great transition. Cause I wanted to talk about KD a little more specifically with some of the teams that are attached r- rumor wise to, to that trade into the nets. We know the Suns were probably the top contenders there until the Pacers came in with the, the flying elbow and, you know, put, uh, gave aim that, uh, that offer. So now they can't trade eight in anymore. So they don't have to like, the, obviously the centerpiece of that deal would have been in, um, like, you know, obviously yesterday's rumor with the Celtics and, Jalen Brown possibly being involved with Derek White or Marcus Smart and some picks, like you said, timeline doesn't really work out, especially with those two being so like Jalen, uh, Jalen and Jason being, being so close in age and just making the finals, you know, if, if you trade away uh, you know, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart's, you know, that, that kind of removes all continuity kind of, you don't really have um, that, that style of play anymore, that defensive style play that made them so strong, that led them to the finals. And now you have kind of a, old, like you said, an older KD who is still coming off a pretty big injury. Um, he has played the last two years, but he's only played, I believe, like half of the last two seasons. So a lot of question marks there, but if they grab him, they are by far the favorites to win the NBA finals, especially with that team, that defense, that coach. And just the roster built around them, especially adding Brogdon and Gallinari to the mix that, you know, uh, that, that, helps, that helps that roster and that depth so much. But are they the better rap- than Brooklyn? Are they better than Brooklyn? I think so. I think, oh. I think so. I think so. I think just Tatum alone uh, trumps any of the players that they have. I, I know you're, you know, people are still, some people are still high on Ben Simmons, Kyrie Irving, again. Kyrie Irving, you don't know what the hell's going going on in the head. You don't know what he's going to do next. Um, ben Simmons hasn't played in a year. We don't know where he's mentally. So on paper, they're really good. I, I do like the team. I like wh- how they, you know, complement each other defensively, offensively from the, the Nets perspective. But I think if you just throw Kevin Durant, remove one of um, Brown and possibly smart. Um, I wouldn't do it personally, but I think just... You know, having KD in there would be such a crazy roster. Um, yeah. But just, it doesn't make sense timeline-wise.
1: Yeah, you see, like, I, I, from what I saw in the finals, like, I personally thought that Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown were Boston's best players in the finals. You know, I, I honestly thought that Jason Tatum, like, a lot of people said he was tired, yada, yada, yada. But the people that showed up against Golden State were Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart. Al Horford. Um, so I don't know. I just, I think there's just a lot of respect. I have a lot of respect for those guys. Um, I just wouldn't give them up if I was Boston, like you said, because of timelines. But yeah, man, I, I just think what Kevin Durant has in Brooklyn, like how could you give that up? I think it's, it, they got a great thing if, it, if people are committed to playing.
0: Okay, so got a question for you. Would you trade Scotty Barnes? plus whatever you need to throw in there for Kevin Durant. Just thinking about the construction of the Raptors, the age of some of these guys, what they've been able to show in playoff series of the past. You throw in this guy that basically covers all of the needs that you need from a Raptors team, a team that's always struggled finding that number one one guy and you had a stinky ass year in Tampa. You got lucky with Scotty Barnes. And if you can trade him, even though he's fantastic rookie of the year, probably gonna be a perennial all star, um, gonna be, you know, a Draymond Greed on steroids, maybe. And you trade him away, even though, you know, he's 15 years younger. Kind of matches with what the Raptors wanna do. With the timeline of Pascal, with Freddie, you probably lose. I don't know. Do you lose OG? Do you lose Gary Trent in that trade? Uh, Maybe. I don't know what that looks like, but if you keep, if you keep Pascal, you keep Freddie, you get Katie, you, you add into that, you know, you add to your depth, whatever minimums you can do. Um, Do you trade Scotty Barnes and let's say three, four draft picks for Katie knowing what you know with the Raptors right now?
1: Yeah, so I might go off on a little bit of tangent here, but like, so I think the way these negotiations work and the the reason why they're still is because, you know, I think you always start by asking for a lot, right? Like, that's the way it starts. And then a lot's going to depend on how Kevin Durant approaches the regular season. Does he play? Because if he plays then it's like, okay. And then, you know, obviously he plays at a high clip. Okay. That, that increases his value. And then the Raptors have to give up more, but if he decides he doesn't want to play, and if this thing drags on, then I think it, you have, you, you're able to just give up less. And I think that makes it, they'll be more competitive with other teams too. They'll other teams will be able to sort of get involved, but you know, if it's just one for one, like if this drags out and it's just Scotty Barnes for Kevin Durant, then I'm doing it. Or if it's Scotty Barnes and a pick, then I'm doing it. But I think you got to keep either Gary Trent Jr. or OJ and Anobi or both in order for this thing to really work out.
0: Agreed. Agreed. You need one of those guys.
1: You yeah. Need... And, it's, and I think Gary Trent Jr. is highly promising. So, I would almost, if it's Scotty Burns, Gary Gary Trent Jr., I'm not doing it. You'd rather throw an OG? I think I'd rather throw an OG. Just from a shot-making perspective, but I'm telling you, like, KD, Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Fleet, um, Gary Trent Jr., like, it would be nasty.
0: No, for sure, that would be nasty. Defensively, too. Um, Because, yeah, no, the Raptors have built kind of, like, the perfect foundation just they'd need that number one guy and I'm, I'm not sure if katie's that guy if they're they're in conversations with the, the jazz on donovan mitchell i don't think he's a guy he's risky if you're going to give up that much draft capital but they're also kind of right on the cusp there you know even even without that number one a guy or the number one guy and pascal again having to load uh shoulder that load on on offense and he still was a you know Third team All NBA guy, like a top 15 player. After you know having a very you know he was injured early part of the season, had a shitty bubble um, there. So Freddie is an All Star this year too. So they're all kind of at that timeline where it kind of makes sense. And honestly, I am a big fan of Scottie Barnes. Honestly, he's such a fun player to watch and so much potential. But if you ask me, if you if you're just you know, it was Scotty and some, another role player and a bunch of picks for KD. I think I, you got to do it. a bunch of picks. So, sorry, you're yeah, doing, you're doing it. a bunch of picks. You're, you, 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 I, th- I think that's what it is. You got to throw a bunch of picks in like.
1: Right now. But do, don't you think there's a, there's a world, say, in two or three months where the ask becomes less?
0: I don't know. I don't know.
1: Like, if he's really disgruntled and things escalate and percolate in in, Brook- in Brooklyn and he's got to go, um, then Toronto would have to give up less, right? Do you agree or disagree?
0: Uh, sure, but that might be like, you know, instead of a pick, it's a swap. I don't think that's going to, his value is going to drop that much. He still had probably one of his better years as a professional, especially coming off the injuries I, I think just have ha, how he played last year, how he played in the playoffs against the Bucks the year before. I know he didn't have the greatest series against the Celtics, but again, they were shorthanded. They, um, th- they weren't going to beat those guys, especially defensively and h- how they were scheming against him. Uh But I, I think it's still that Rudy Gobert trade kind of fucked up the market. So I, again, like you said, Sean Marks is not going to trade him for less than what Gobert got. No way optically yeah. that's just terrible you're not going to get less than you know a blue collar prospect and three or four picks and whatever swaps you want to throw in there i'm not sure what that looks like but and you got to make salaries match too so you can't just be a scotty barnes thing so that's why it was always like does it make sense like would you, you would trade pascal for him right like pascal OG? would you pa- trade pascal og a bunch of picks for KD and have kind of a weirder timeline because Scotty's so young. Yeah. Can you really trust him?
1: I don't like that trade only because it doesn't put Katie in a win now situation. So like, it doesn't make sense. Like I honestly value Pascal extremely high. I almost see him as like an untouchable because, you know, he would be a one, two punch with Kevin Durant or Donovan Mitchell. We saw it with Kawhi. Like Mm -hmm. I honestly believe in that guy so much as a second or third option. Like, I think he would be the best second or third option in the NBA. 100%. Um, I agree. I,
0: I agree 100%. Pascal is a best second option in the league. Like he's a top two or three. But yeah, I would say like just what I saw with him playing against with Kawhi, his skill sets, his rebounding, his playmaking and his transition. It's just, he, does, he does everything well but iso ball. Yeah. Right, that's he does everything else but iso ball, and his mid range came along.
1: The whole team does everything well but iso ball. <laughs> yeah, exactly, uh, exactly. You know, I, I think you know, I the pick, the I would do Scotty OG and a couple picks for Kevin Durant, but again, fifteen years age difference is mental. Yeah, it's mental. That's great, and I like having a treasure trove of picks, and I love having that flexibility.
0: Yeah, well, when you have Masai and you can hit on, you know, the number twenty seventh pick and Pascal, and then yeah. number four pick and Scotty, when this consensus was not there, but yeah, no, for sure, I agree. It's I think it's you want to accelerate the process. You want you know uh, short term success. I think you go for that trade and you kind of take advantage of that Pascal and Freddie window because, like you said, it's it's a window, and we the, the Suns might have missed out with a window. Boston maybe. They're so young, so I don't think they've really missed out on that. But Scott, like Freddie, Pascal's going to get older. um, So it doesn't make sense to make that move now. Or do you go for Donovan
1: Mitchell?
0: Other things that happens
1: too is like once you get a Donovan Mitchell or once you get a Kevin Durant, then you get into that situation where other guys come, right? You start winning the buyout market. Mm -hmm. All those things fall into place. So um, yeah, it'd be cool to be on that side of the fence because – never really been on that side of the fence we had the rental year with Kawhi took advantage of a window but um to actually have someone under contract for four years would be kind of cool
0: yeah no for sure for sure um uh, <laughs> yeah man those are those are the topics i wanted to discuss i know there, there's a lot more but just with you know respect to time and everything and it's late for you let's let's wrap it up but was there anything that you wanted to quickly touch on anything that you know uh it's on your mind basketball related anything else you want to talk about you know i'm all yours
1: no man i think over the next couple weeks i expect something to happen it's funny like the the nba is at a stalemate right now like three podcasts got released from various channels that are awesome content creators but like they're they're talking about boston's conversation with brooklyn like we're we're at that point where There's a lot of just nothing going on and people have like an obligation to release podcasts. So I kind of like our approach of slowing it down this time of the year because there really is nothing much going on. Um, for sure. But you're back in a couple of weeks, so we should definitely get together in person. Um, Hopefully something ground shaking happens between now and then because then we'll have something fun to talk about.
0: For sure, yeah. I will be in town next week and I know you are out for a nice little cottage this weekend so enjoy that yeah i mean because worse comes worse.
1: worse nothing happens we can always do like we can talk about like futures we want to place on yeah for like sure categories in the nba and stuff like that so yeah
0: i'll, I'll bring the cash i'll bring the cash let's just get on get on bodog or whatever you're yeah, literally,
1: <laughs> literally uh literally place the bets.
0: yeah we'll do that so okay cool man i appreciate your time as always always fun kind of lost track with time there i know zoom is being a little bitch so um we'll, we'll have to figure that out but again appreciate it thanks for staying up and always fun to chat
1: yeah man glad we were able to do it it's been a while and missed you buddy so we'll be in touch okay see okay. hey, man have a good